Hi, folks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. You can play on FanDuel all year long, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Whatever sport you like, you can play it daily on FanDuel. Use promo code 4 for 4 that's 4-F-O-R-4, four, four, for a 100% deposit bonus. Welcome to the week one edition of DFS MVP. Daily Fantasy Sports' most valuable podcast, presented by 4 for 4 Football. I'm Chris Raybon, here with my co-host, TJ Hernandez. What's good, TJ? What's up, Chris? I'm excited, man. It's week one. It's the week we've all been waiting for. In my opinion, it's the best week of the year, so I'm ready to do this. Yes, but first things first, the song that played us in was So Fresh and So Clean, by Outcast off their album Stankonia. I know you're a big Outcast fan, TJ. Yeah, Outcast, one of my favorite rap groups of all time. That's one of my favorite albums and uh, So Fresh and So Clean is fitting because it was kind of it was kind of a theme with us making our podcast rounds this these last couple of weeks. <laughs> True story, people. Yeah. TJ and Matthew Friedman of Rotoviz had to plan our recording of the Rotoviz radio podcast around me getting a haircut. <laughs> so staying so fresh and so clean is a high priority of mine. But let's get back on topic. We have a great show for you guys today. We'll be giving out our top picks at each position and then discussing a frequently asked topic on both of our Twitter feeds, which is Vegas Lines. But first, we have a real important announcement. 444.com comes out with an all-new DFS subscription and content plan today geared specifically toward DFS players. I'm really excited about it. I've been working really hard behind the scenes on it. We'll have a lineup generator where you can choose a player pool of up to 50 players and it will generate the top 50 most optimal lineups. We'll have cash game specific and GPP specific articles for FanDuel and DraftKings. We'll have fantasy aces breakdowns, fantasy feud breakdowns. Tons of other weekly content, including DFS theory from Jonathan Bales, ownership outlooks, defensive injuries and matchups to exploit, a lineup building walkthrough, and TJ, I know this is one of your favorites, ceiling and floor projections. Yeah, I mean, the value reports on 4 for 4 were already a major backbone of my research last year. I'm really excited about uh, the ceiling and floor aspect this year. Because we've done a lot of work at 444, specifically you and John, when it comes to uh, positional consistency. This is going to take it a step further. It's going to tell us about player uh, consistency, player ceiling and floors, and that's going to be broken down uh, individually, and it really just goes into player types. Uh, some examples that you'll notice, uh, if you look at the wide receivers, you'll see that these short target slot guys, you're going to see a lot higher floor. They're going to be a lot more consistent. Or we'll notice that a lot of these deep targets, the boom-bust type wide receivers, their floor might be low, but they're going to have those really high ceilings, and that will be reflected in these projections. Definitely. You know, the sub is going to be worth it, guys, so make sure you check it out at 444.com. So, let's get into it. Week 1, TJ, I know you like Sam Bradford, who happens to have the highest FanDuel floor per dollar projection in the aforementioned floor and ceiling projections, which, by the way, 
are free this week. So check those out at 444.com under the DFS tab. But TJ, talk about Bradford and any other quarterbacks you like this week. Yeah, I'll just go over some of my favorite fantasy uh, quarterbacks for for Daily Fantasy uh, this week. You mentioned Sam Bradford. I think he is one of the best values on really on any site that you're playing, but especially on FanDuel. Uh, He's priced at $7,500, which is the 17th uh, priced quarterback on the site. Uh, Compare that to DraftKings where he's priced 14th, uh, so there's a little bit of value there. If you look at 4-for-4's overall report, he is the fourth best overall value on FanDuel. He also comes in fourth uh, on the quarterback value reports. This is a game with a 53.5 point over-under. We're always looking for those you know, high-scoring games when it comes to our quarterbacks. Uh, the Eagles are three-point favorites. And Atlanta hasn't they, – they've made a few moves on defense, but I don't think they've done enough to shore up a, a defense that allowed the second-most pass yards in 2014. Uh, so Bradford's a guy that he, he'll be anchoring a lot of my uh, cash game teams on any site. Now, uh, I, I touched quickly on, on price discrepancy uh, with Sam Bradford compared to FanDuel and DraftKings. And when we talk about price discrepancy, uh, this is kind of a hidden way where you can really find value. Instead of just looking at projections compared to their exact dollar amount, you compare sites. And when you find someone where there's a big gap where they're priced, it can really scream value. Uh, for that reason... Joe Flacco is an interesting guy on DraftKings. He's priced 6700 as the 16th quarterback on DraftKings. Compare that to FanDuel where he's priced 8200 as the 10th overall quarterback, and we see a really big gap there. So if you're looking for someone in a game with a, a high over-under, uh, they're, they're in a game against the Broncos, 50-point uh, over-under. Yes, they're 5.5-point underdogs, but this – game has potential to turn into a shootout and if you do want exposure to this guy he's way cheaper on DraftKings so it makes him really interesting for me definitely great points TJ I also want to ask you about what kind of exposure will you have to Kirk Cousins and Tyrod Taylor who are both minimum priced plays this week Sure. So I'll get into Kirk Cousins a little bit more uh, when I talk about my defenses defensive picks a little bit later um, just as from a theoretical standpoint, minimum quarterbacks in general are going to be pretty good investments because they're going to have a higher floor. Just the quarterback position in general is going to have a high floor if they're starting. And that minimum salary can really open things up for the rest of your lineup. However, in week one, there's so many values across the board because prices have been out for so long and Injury and depth charts have really shaken up the values. That uh, that value of the minimum price quarterback is really diminished. And when it comes to Tyrod Taylor specifically, people are touting him because of his rushing ability. But for me, I want my quarterback's rushing ability to be icing on the cake. I don't want it to be something I'm going to rely on because it's very realistic that he goes out and has a very poor passing day. Uh, so this week, I'm probably not really going to be on many of those those minimum price quarterbacks because there are so many good values. But uh, that's my take on all the quarterbacks. Chris, let's go ahead and move on to your running back takes for the week. Sure, TJ. So my top running back play is Eddie Lacy. I think Fat Eddie going to eat. He's 8,500 on FanDuel. He's 7,500 on DraftKings. The Packers are a seven-point favorite in his career. Lacy averages 16.4 FanDuel points per game as a favorite compared to only 12.7 as an underdog. So we have him in positive splits. The Packers return all five offensive linemen from last year. 
and the Bears' best run defender is probably a rookie in defensive tackle Eddie Goldman. I prefer Lacey to Adrian Peterson, who is more expensive on a worse offense going against a better defense. So I'm all in on Lacey this week, and my favorite running back for the low is Chris Ivory. Mm -hmm. He's... 6,400 on FanDuel. He's only 4,100 on DraftKings. The Dretts are a three-point favorite. Ivory, in 2014, averaged 13.3 FanDuel points as a favorite compared to only 7.7 as an underdog. So his production nearly doubled in games where the Jets were favored, even though those were few and far between. However, the Jets' win total is a lot higher this year than it is last year. Vegas expects them to be a 7-9 to 8-8 team this year. Now, the Browns are ranked 31st in rush defense DVOA last season, and first-round defensive tackle Danny Shelton will not single-handedly fix their run defense. They still have a long way to go. And it's a good sign that in the third preseason game, Ivory saw three targets and caught three balls in the first Mm -hmm. half. Besides those two guys, I also don't mind Jeremy Hill, Lamar Miller in cash games, and I'd still play Peterson in tournaments along with Doug Martin. But TJ, let's switch gears. This week... Devontae Adams belongs on a blackboard because he is chalk. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about him and then just go straight into some other receivers you like. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Adams because when I I wrote up my picks for wide receiver, uh, he topped the charts. I mean, if you've been paying any kind of attention to football, uh, if you're even remotely interested in daily fantasy, Devontae Adams has been topping the charts as the best value, and for good reason. He's going to be Aaron Rodgers' number two wide receiver with Jordy Nelson out. You want a piece of that Packers uh, passing offense. I don't need to tell you how great Aaron Rodgers is as a quarterback. Um, Green Bay wide receivers account for uh, 54% of the team's touchdowns in 2014. That was the fourth most in the league. Uh, they have counted for 48.4% of the team's touchdowns over the last two years. Uh, that's the seventh most in the league. That's just a way of saying that they're going to use their wide receivers to score, and it's usually their top two wide receivers. So I want a piece of Devonta Adams. He's cheap. He's 4400 on DraftKings. He's 5500 on FanDuel. Uh, this isn't one of those situations where I'm worried about him being super high-owned, especially in cash games. You don't worry about that too much. Uh, this is just one of those faded your own risk value plays. Um, just you know, stick them in and let them open up pricing uh, across the board for you everywhere, everywhere else. Um, moving forward, a guy that I've been touting all offseason is one of my favorite players going into uh, 2015 in any format is Allen Robinson. He's 5,400 on DraftKings. He's 6,100 on FanDuel. I'm especially interested in, in him on DraftKings where he's priced as the 37th uh, wide receiver um, on the site. It's a full PPR site. Um, if you look at the wide receiver value reports on 4 for 4, uh, for DraftKings, he's the eighth best value. Um, he's the ninth best value in the 4 for 4 FanDuel value reports. Um, you know, early in the season, I want to target players that I've been touting as, as breakouts this offseason because I think they're going to have good years. I think 
the first few weeks is when their prices are going to be the cheapest. And once they break out like I think they're going to, their prices are going to go up and I might not be able to get exposure to them. Uh, this is going to be one of the highest targeted wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, last year, week one, he wasn't really a, a part of the Jags offense. Uh, they were kind of in this weird shootout with, with the Eagles. Uh, but then week two for, through 10 before he got hurt, he was averaging 8.7 targets per game. Uh, that put him on pace to to be the 12th most targeted wide receiver in the league. He would have out-targeted Dez last year. Um, and an interesting note on the Jaguars offense, uh, when they do get to the red zone, which is, I guess, their struggle is getting there in the first place, but when they got there last year uh, with Blake Bortles, they targeted wide receivers more than any team in the league inside the red, red zone. 76% of their pass plays went to wide receivers, and 43% of their red zone plays overall went to wide receivers, which is also the highest uh, total in the league. But, Chris, you have your own thoughts on Allen Robinson, Robinson and Blake Bortles. Can you just touch on that real quick? So... I might be one of the most bearish people in the industry on Allen Robinson, more so in week one. And that's because I think Robinson may struggle versus Panthers top cornerback Josh Norman, who was questionable, but it looks like he is going to play in week one. He was third out of 73 qualified cornerbacks in terms of the amount of yardage that he gave up per snap in coverage, trailing only studs Chris Harris of the Broncos and Richard Sherman of the Seahawks. If you're questioning how good he is, just keep in mind that he played Julio Jones twice, and he essentially shut him down. Norman was targeted 14 times when he was on Julio. He only gave up 69 yards, no touchdowns, and had three passes defensed. So I believe that Norman is very capable of shutting down a guy like Robinson if he can shut down a guy like Julio Jones. And I also think that even if Norman doesn't shadow Robinson, which Norman did do some shadowing late in the season, Benet Wickery, who was the Panthers' other corner, also really came on down the stretch last season. So I think this Panthers' secondary is a force to be reckoned with. And now let's talk about Bortles really quick because a lot of people are saying that he took a big step forward this preseason and people are expecting him to therefore take a step forward in the regular season but Bortles actually had a better preseason last year than he had this year last year he had a 101.0 passer rating and this year it was only 93.8 this year he had a 7.7 yards per attempt in the preseason last year it was 10.2 this year he had one touchdown last year he had two so Bortles has had a good preseason before and then proceeded to be one of the league's worst cornerback quarterbacks, excuse me, and that combined with the strength of the Carolina corners makes me very bearish on Allen Robinson. But that's just my thoughts. I definitely get why people would target Robinson. Um, he is priced probably a little lower than his season-long and redraft value would suggest he should be. But moving on, TJ, I know a guy that both of us really like is Jordan Matthews. Talk about him. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for that uh, that Allen Robinson take. I just scrapped all of my lineups that I've made so far. <laughs> I'm starting from scratch, so I appreciate that. No, but, but those are good points. Jordan Matthews, I already touched on Sam Bradford. Um, I just want pieces of this passing game in general on both sides of the 
the ball, but Jordan Matthews is the guy that really stands out to me, uh, especially on FanDuel where he's priced at 6,800. Uh, that puts him as the 27th wide receiver uh, on the site. Uh, compare that to DraftKings. Um, where he's priced at 7200 as the 16th wide receiver. So they have him priced as a wide receiver too, a high-end wide receiver too. FanDuel has him priced outside the top 24. Big difference there, so the, the value is clearly there on FanDuel. Uh, we talked about consistency. We talked about floor. He's going to be their slot guy. Slot guys get those high-percentage targets. He's going to be peppered with targets, especially in this game. If we look at the FanDuel wide receiver reports, um, he's 11th uh, among all wide receivers. Now, go ahead and glance at that value report real quick on 4-4. Look at the names on there. We see uh, Antonio Brown. We see Calvin Johnson. We see Dez. We see Demaris, Julio, Odell. All of those guys are in the top 12 on the value reports on FanDuel on 4-4. And then we see Jordan Matthews just jammed right in with all those guys. So, uh, you know, when, when someone's in the same breath as all those top wide receivers, and then his price is that much more or less, I'm going to want a piece of that. So uh, those are the kind of receivers that, that really stood out to me this week. Great point, TJ. Not only on high percentage slot targets, but on pricing discrepancies. I think that's something really important for the listeners out there that are playing on multiple sites. When you can get a guy like Jordan Matthews as the 27th highest priced receiver on FanDuel that is like stealing candy from a baby not that you should ever steal from babies because that's (laughs) but let me quickly mention before we move on that FanDuel is hosting the four for four football championship during each of the first 10 weeks of the NFL season you'll be able to enter a $10 qualifier finish in the top five in any week and you'll win one of 50 seats to the $30,000 final. All 50 finalists will get paid. And also entering these weekly qualifiers will be myself, TJ, and the most accurate projector of fantasy stats for for, for his own, Mr. John Paulson. Week 1's qualifier includes $7,000 in cash prizes. Join by going to 444.com and clicking on the banner in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. So be sure to check that out. Let's get into tight ends. I realized Greg Olson was another chalk play, and I didn't have a creative second chalk reference like I did for Devontae. But Google was kind enough to direct me to an article entitled 21 Uses for Chalk, of which my favorite was stopping ants in their tracks. Apparently, ants won't cross chalk lines. But in any case... (laughs) Greg Olson is 5,900 on FanDuel. He's 5,300 on DraftKings. Kelvin Benjamin is out for the year. He left behind a 27% target market share. Olson was already right behind him with a 23% target market share. He was fourth in the NFL in targets for tight ends. And now that will likely increase even more with the Kelvin Benjamin injury. And the Panthers are starting some people named Corey Brown and Ted Ginn at wide receiver in week one. So I think Olsen is going to be a target monster. The Jaguars defense is not prohibitive. And I think he is the play of the week at tight end. I also want to mention Martellus Bennett. He was the second highest targeted tight end a season ago. He's only 4300 on DraftKings, even though his DraftKings price didn't dip below 5200 over the final 
month of last year's 90-catch season. So you're getting Bennett at a discount in what should be a game where the Bears are going to have to throw. And even at 6,200 on FanDuel, he's a nice little contrarian pivot from Greg Olson, who is slightly cheaper. Finally, some GPP shots in the dark are Jason Witten against the talent-deficient Giants safety and linebacking corps, and Green Bay's Richard Rodgers against a Bears defense that was 31st in the league versus tight ends last season. Now, TJ, I'm a big fan of the Jets against the Browns in Week 1 in terms of defense special teams, but I know there were a couple other plays you were feeling. Tell us who. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the Jets. If I had to pick a defense that is probably going to be the most owned in Week 1, I think it will be the Jets against the Browns. Uh, But a couple others that I really like are Tampa Bay. Um, They're three-point home favorites. Uh, I'm really looking for a home defense in a favorable favorable position if I could find one. Uh, Defenses generally just perform better at home. it's not the end all be all, but you know if you could if you could find one that's at home, I would prefer that. Again, they're home favorites. Um, they're facing a rookie quarterback. I, I mean, that's rookie quarterbacks. They struggle. They they just do. They turn the ball over. Uh, so that's really going to bode well for Tampa Bay. And then again, let's look at those Vegas lines. The over under for this game is only forty two and a half points. Uh, that's the fourth lowest total of the week. So I'm going to let Vegas do the hard work for me. And they're telling me it's going to be low scoring. That means uh, the defenses are going to be doing all right. And then another team that I like, they're not at home, but I think they might be the best matchup of the week. Uh, the Dolphins in Washington. Washington, they're in shambles. Um, you know, they're, they're doing a quarterback carousel already. Cousins is starting week one. And Kirk Cousins is a turnover machine. Uh, since 2012, um, only 43 quarterbacks have, have attempted uh, at least 400 passes. Out of all 43 of those quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins has the highest interception rate, throwing an interception on 4.7% of his attempts. Uh, that's a really that's an astronomical rate. If, if you're not familiar with interception rates, that's through the roof. No one people aren't touching that they're usually around you know two percent um and then miami added uh ndamukong sue um he's going to help their pass rush and pass rush is what leads to turnovers it's obviously what leads to sacks and those things correlate with fantasy scoring for the defense so i'm really looking at the dolphins um and i i think that because of teams like the jets and and tampa and, and the dolphins price tag they might be a little bit under owned so not only can they make a, a good uh cash game play but they could end up being a really nice gpp play because you want that top scoring defense if you're going to take down a gpp uh chris what are your thoughts on the always favorite position kickers <laughs> right. I'm like the only person that ever writes about kickers. <laughs> um, they're people too, you know. They are people. <laughs> With kickers, you're looking for Vegas favorites on good offenses in high-scoring games. Brandon McManus is the Broncos kicker. Only 4500 on FanDuel. The Broncos are four-and-a-half-point favorites and projected by Vegas to score roughly 27 points. So McManus is my kicker of the week. He is the fourth-best kicking value on FanDuel and the cheapest kicker in the top five values. But now here's the part that 
I'm really excited for. Let's get into our DFS theory segment. This week, as I mentioned earlier, it'll be on Vegas lines. TJ, kick it off. Tell us all about Vegas lines. Why are they important? Uh, sure. We've been getting a ton of questions this week on, on Twitter and email uh, just about Vegas lines in general, why they're important, how do you use them. And, uh, I mean, this is a great topic to start the season on because this is what guides my research every week. Uh, why are Vegas lines important? Uh, out of everybody in the world, Vegas has the biggest monetary interest to set accurate lines. A lot of there, There's this idea that Vegas is setting their lines to get even money on both sides of the betting. That's not the case. They're trying to set an accurate line uh, because if they don't, they're going to lose money. Why is that? Uh, if Vegas doesn't set an accurate line, then you're going to have these professional bettors, these sharps, they're going to pound the other side of the line. Uh, after that, Vegas is going to be forced to overadjust because all of this money is going to be pounding this bad line. Now, once Vegas adjusts, if they overadjust, these sharps are going to come back. They're going to bet the other side of the line. Now there's this sweet spot right in the middle where Vegas has no chance of winning, where there's a ton of money, and Vegas does not want to put themselves in a position where they can be arbitraged like that because there's a ton of downside. Vegas is going to win in the long run. They want to limit their downside. So their opening lines are going to be very, very accurate over the long run. Um, what do these lines tell us? Well, they tell us about things like game script. Uh, they tell us which teams are going to be winning, which teams are going to be ahead, and that can help us target positions. A classic example is the running back. Teams that are winning late in the game, they're going to be using their running backs to close out the game, so we want to look at those lines for the favorites. Uh, they give us the point totals. We've talked about it a lot today. We want those high-scoring games. Look at the over-unders, look at the spreads, and you can figure out which teams are projected to score the most points. Um, another thing when we're looking at GPPs, they can give us insight into ownership percentages. Like I just mentioned, high point totals, a lot of people know that those are going to be high scoring games, so they're going to be targeting those games in their GPPs. Uh, the way to win GPPs is to have big games from players that are underowned. We can look at these Vegas lines, we can guess who's going to be highly owned based on the over-unders, and then maybe we can take the next tier of over-unders and, and start players from those games because they're going to be under-owned. Uh, finally, we can look at line movement. Now, this, this is especially important when we talk about reverse line movement. If you're not familiar with reverse line movement, what that means, you can find the percentage of bettors that are betting on a game. Now, sometimes it's very clear who the favorite is for the public. You'll have as much as 70-80% of the bets going on one side of a favorite, and then as the game gets closer, even though a team is the team that's getting the bet on that getting bet on the most, the line is still moving closer to the other team. What that usually means is that the Sharps in Vegas see that the public is on a team. They don't agree with them, and they're putting the smart money on the other team. So even though the percentage of bets is higher on, say, the favorite, the smart money is on the underdog, and we'll see that line move closer to the underdog. Uh, that's a very important thing to note because what that's going to do, that can either tell us to avoid that favorite that the public's very high on. We talked about ownership percentages, or it can give us those contrarian plays. Maybe that reverse line movement is favoring the home dog. Now we can pick players from that home underdog where the public's going to be on all those players from the visiting favorite. Now we have a very contrarian play 
uh, for home dogs. So those, those are a couple ways I like to use the Vegas lines, why they're very important for daily fantasy sports. Uh, Chris, do you want to touch on any of those points? Do you have anything that you can expand on when it comes to sites and Vegas lines? Sure. No, first of all, that was just really great points on ways to spot contrarian plays by looking at the betting public. That is really useful information that I think listeners can really benefit from. I use a site called VegasInsider.com, and Mm -hmm. if you go, they have an NFL tab on the top of the page, and if you hover over it, it shows you a menu, and if you go to the matchups button you can see the public betting trends right there so as you mentioned you can see who is betting on what team the percentage of betters on each side the trends and i think that is just really useful in finding good tournament contrarian plays now on vegas insider i also use the vegas odds button when you hover over nfl And that just shows you the spread. It shows the over-under. You can calculate the projected total for a team by simply subtracting the spread from the over-under. And then you divide that by two. And then once you divided it by two, the underdog point total would be whatever you got when you divided it by two. And to get the favorites point total, you would just add the spread back so that's how i use the vegas lines i do want to note that we are working on getting the vegas lines up at four for four.com so we should have our own page pretty soon in the very near future with vegas lines right there so you don't even have to navigate away from four for four to get your vegas lines and just in closing I know you touched, TJ, on game script and how the Vegas lines affect different positions, affect running backs, affect defenses. And I'll just give some Vegas splits that I think are very useful for the listeners out there to know. And they apply specifically to running backs and to defense special teams. So I'll just jump right into it. Favorites average 12% more rushing yards per game than underdogs. Favorites average 38 Eight percent more rushing touchdowns per game than underdogs. Favorites score a rushing touchdown in 59% of their games compared to underdogs who only score a rushing touchdown in 47% of their games. And then moving on to defenses and special teams. Favorites throw 22% less interceptions than underdogs. And Underdogs, they're getting sacked 14% more than favorites. So just from those statistics, which are cumulative league-wide statistics over the last five seasons, you can see what a discrepancy it is between favorites and underdogs. And you can really see why, especially at running back, especially at defense special teams, also at kicker, because you do not want a coach to elect to go for it on fourth down when a team is in field goal range because they're trailing. So you don't want negative game script for kickers either. Running backs, defenses, and kickers, you definitely want Vegas favorites that are going to be in positive game script. So that about does it for us on the DFS MVP podcast presented by 4 for 4 Football. TJ, 
thank you for joining me today and sharing your DFS wisdom. All right, Chris. Thank you. That was, I mean, that was a fun show. I'm excited. It's week one. We get to finally set lineups. Uh, if you guys are, are looking for us after the podcast, you can find us both on Twitter. Uh, you can find Chris at Chris Raybon. You can find me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. Uh, thanks a lot, Chris. Have a good week, man. Thank you, TJ. And once again, be sure to check out 4 for 4's all-new daily fantasy subscription. You can check it out on 4for4.com. It will be released today. And thank you for joining us. Good luck in week one. Let's get this money. Gator belts and patty melts and Monte Carlos and El Dorado. So I'm waking up out of my slumber, feeling like Rallo. So follow, it's showtime at the Apollo, minus the Kiki Shepherd. With about a hoe and a leopard print. Teddy, Pendergrass, cooler than Freddie Jackson, sipping a milkshake in a snowstorm. Left the warm in the dorm room at the AU. We blew hate to athletes, my cake you, but you must have been mistaken with them statements that you make up. Huh?